Welcome back to Mark's Madness, now part of Chunkaluta. Woot woot. I don't know. I need a, I need a something better than juggalo phrases. That's for sure. <laughs> Gonna be honest. What, what are we, if not, if not people with juggalo phrases? Uh, <laughs> Welcome back, though. We're reading Gramsci again. Uh, yes. Like, well, not like always, but like for like, this like season. Recently. Yeah, like always, <laughs> always this season. Not even always this season, but a lot this season. Have we read something else this season? Yeah, we we read. Um, um, oh my god, I am totally blanking on his name. The British. Uh, it, it, god. Oh, Stuart Hall. Stuart Hall. Thank you. Oh my god. Yeah, that's right. I forgot this is a whole reader. <laughs> yeah, this is a whole reader. So we read Stuart Hall, and Stuart Hall will probably not like me saying British because Stuart Hall is from some British town, Jamaica. I want to say. Um, ooh, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I cannot remember. Um, uh, see how lost we are without press. Oh my god, it's been well, so like uh, one minute, we're already screwed. Rodney came into contact with like the new left review or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has a lot of criticisms of him, and uh, it's just very funny because the Pat Social will try to dismiss Rodney as being part of the new left. Yeah, it's like there's there's a whole critique. <laughs> he's like nah these people are kind of weird <laughs> but i do think analyzing gramsci is a necessary step in revolution yeah uh, i think there's a lot to be said about his theory and i think if bordigo wasn't a piece of shit <laughs> we could have seen more success in italy Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which I think would have parlayed to more of Europe and and yada yada yada. Well, yeah, I think. Although it, we couldn't, it, it's going to be hard to change history and say like French I think if you're looking, Party wouldn't have been still super colonial. As long as you don't see Russia as part of Europe, like they're Asian, right? Like, yeah, fucking like the backwater of Europe is like Italy and Poland. You know? <laughs> I mean, like I, I guess the Eastern Bloc, but again, you're getting like. Yeah, yeah, you've got you've got Yugoslavia, Latvia, Estonia. I mean, those are all not not considered part of booming Western Europe. Although no, I know, but some Estonia of those have a communist really country part of it already. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah, so they're not comparable. Compare, compare. Oh yeah, they were not industrialized and in the Western colonial sphere the same way. Yeah, 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 yeah. When yep. when you're looking at what's the West, it's not them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nope, that's correct. In spite of of NATO uh, growth, well, I guess Poland really wants to be. But Poland is has has been teetering on it for a long time, but they're 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 definitely like not quite in the in the friend group. Um, <laughs> Everybody's like, you're a little too into the Nazi thing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> a little too open. Um. But before we get into the reading, speaking of that stuff, uh, we should probably get a little bit into current events. Um, I guess it is speaking of this. I guess Nazis are what we're reading about. Oh, yeah. 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 No, I mean, the that's. Beginnings. <laughs> um, yeah. And and speaking of Poland and, and genocidal uh, intentions and colonialism, obviously, in the, the current events, uh, there's still the ongoing genocide of Palestinians by Israel. Uh, um, South Africaners, Afrikaners have decided to leave South Africa to move to be convert to Judaism and reclaim birthright oh. citizenship because they miss apartheid so much. That's oh. really cool. That's cool. Yeah. Very, very 
much on the right side of history, Israel. <laughs> yeah, um, which I mean, we've we've known this for a long time. You know, I mean, Palestinians are even now they're they're still a, a, a diverse group. They're they're more Muslim now because you know a lot of people had to leave, and when you live in close quarters, that the religions tend to gel. But uh, but all three Abrahamic religions have have uh, prospered in Palestine for. Centuries. hundreds of years yeah yeah <laughs> um like, for a long time long time <laughs> ever um, since the crusades settled down yeah <laughs> i mean even even some of of israel's current war crimes are like bombing you know christian churches yeah they destroyed some of like the oldest churches in the world yeah like if you're an evangelical christian supporting this shit it's well what's it's amazing purely- it's purely like that fucking death cult that's like, we need to bring in the apocalypse by genetically engineering a red heifer. You yeah. Know? <laughs> well, I mean, okay, so a lot of people think the central the central uh, source of anti-Semitism in the world being Nazis, and that's fair. But let's think about it. Historically, it's been right-wing Christians that have carried that mantle. More than I, you're about to blame the Israelis for. No, no, no. <laughs> I was no, like, God, God. Where is no. this going, David? It is, it is right wing Christians that have carried that mantle more than anyone, right? Oh, one hundred. Um, I mean, from yeah, day one for, for mean, day one, yeah, libel, for, for centuries like, upon centuries upon centuries, from like the dawn of passion plays, you know, if if not sooner, on on throughout, right? Look, if your theocratic feudal government has a position called the court Jew. <laughs> yeah, just like it. Um, so you know, right wing Christian fundamentalists, you would think if if Israel was really this like like haven for Judaism against genocide, um, well, you'd think they'd be totally opposed to it. They would feel their anti semitism, and yet those that type of anti semite are some of the biggest, if not the biggest, fans of Israel. And well, the founder of the Azov Battalion has dual citizenship in the yeah. Ukraine and in Israel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a Nazi with dual citizenship in Ukraine and Israel. Like, come on. Um, a little on the nose there. Yeah. Uh, but the reason, the, the a big reason for that is there's essentially a cottage industry of like, you know, these are the relics. This is where where Jesus walked, and this and so Israel, like well, you know, sells the Israeli government pays for and... pastors, evangelical mm-hmm. pastors, to go on mm-hmm. birthright. Yep, you know they're not Jewish. They have no intention of moving there. Or anything? Nope. They're paying for these people because they have what my my grandpa would call the power of the pulpit. And I mean, he literally got brought on one of these trips around the time he was hanging out with fucking mm-hmm. uh, the pastors at that what's that White House dinner. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one with the... He shook fucking George W. Bush's hand in, like, 2004 during that. I was like, geez. Like, now, like, I have a totally different opinion of my grandpa. I'm like, (laughs) you're a piece of shit, dude. And, like, I should have known, like, red flag, because, like, one time it was like, you know what I do to solve the crime problem in Detroit? Oh, God. I put a wall up around it and then go kill all the criminals. And it's like, Uh, who's deciding that? Yeah, you know who's yeah. the criminals? It's it just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's obvious. Like, um, oh my god. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, there's a huge. You know, you go out, you 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 buy your relic, you buy, you know, a a, a flower petal from the Holy Land or or whatever the shit, and, what? and some of that, that some really of that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And petal. some of, some of that, some of that shit. 
it, like, well, my I pastor mean, did it no. because it's it, there's an old Christian thing like I found the the spear that sta- a splinter from the spear that stabbed Jesus and it's a holy relic. Like Catholic churches actually have a relic like that in every single altar. That that's what makes it an altar. Um, and other what? Christian churches do that too. Yeah, yeah. No way. Yeah, that is that is. I shit you not. I was uh, always wondering. I just sort of assumed it was a tourist thing. No, that's why they have indoor and outdoor, and they do have ones they carry around. Um, and and there are ones that tourism and stuff like that, and that and that tourism industry is a huge revenue driver for Israel, and that is a lot of stuff, just like olives and and things like that, where um, you know Israel essentially appropriated that kind of stuff away from Palestinians. You know, Palestinians could have done that kind of tourism. They know the place; they've known it for how long. But Israel, you know, comes in and and colonizes it and then turns it into a tourist trap as as uh you know colonization does and so you know stuff like that and of course you know the, the colonial spoils colonialism just turns native land into a tourist trap yeah it really does <laughs> it's it it really fucking does that's uh that's going on a tiktok clip <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> but so true it, I, it, mm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what else to put it. It's, you know. Like, when um, you go through South Dakota. Yeah. On the one road. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the Badlands and stuff. Yeah. For, like, the entire distances. Come to Wall Drug. <laughs> if you want to know what Wall Drug is, is there's a town called Wall. And it has a drugstore. God. <laughs> and that that's it. They sell a five-cent coffee still. Oh, man. That's that's it. Jeez. Uh, so anyway, as as I've uh, unintentionally hit a hit a uh, uh, right vein here, uh, a stupid poignant. Uh. Yeah. But uh, but you know, I mean, so that of course, you know, along with other colonial interests and right wing interests and the interests of capitalism and colonizing the uh, West Asia. Um, that that's a major driver for a lot of people, right? It's it's their 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 missions to go. You know, we went to the Holy Land and stuff and reconnect with religion. So there's a lot of pull there, you know. And so Israel destroying a, a church like that it just seems like wild because that's that's something they would prop up. Of course, they've only got to sell the the tour to the rubble, you know, and and. 20 years from now, they'd, they'd be like, oh, yeah, this was always gone. This fell in the 1600s. They're going to fucking sell the rubble, rubble of Gaza like they did the Berlin Wall, I bet. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, they absolutely are. They absolutely are. Remember our 9-11. That's the shit it's going to say on their shirts. Mm. It's going to be disgusting. I mean, it, it is disgusting and, and, and more importantly, deadly, but it's going to continue to be disgusting. Yeah. So I'm thoroughly angry before we begin reading. Yeah, um, but but also in that front, Israel has who definitely bombed that hospital and blamed it on Hamas after warning people and praising it and and, and social media and then walking it back and having Biden tell that lie along with the baby lie. Uh, and I say have Biden. It's not like Israel controls the U.S., but they they work in tandem. Like this is our this is our excuse thing. This is what we're going with. <laughs> you know. Can I just say the amount of fucking kids I've seen from Palestinians and the fact I haven't seen one dead Jewish baby yet? Yeah, and I don't I don't want to have to see any dead people. Like we know this is no, going on. It's just if if Palestinians can't help but show you their yeah. death because yeah, they're everywhere. They're, they're they're everywhere. I mean they, Israel they, better have that same sort of gusto. Mm-hmm. You know? 
Like if you're gonna if you're gonna propagandize, you better start chopping off heads yourself. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't. You're not gonna convince anybody how you're doing it right now. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that's that's really telling too. Is like I I still lean on the Parenti line. You know, like oh they don't care what. Uh, you think like oh no of course they do that's all they care about they they especially care about what you think right um and that's that's why you have all the media lies and propaganda well they don't care if you actually believe it they're going to say their version of the truth mm -hmm. and if you don't conform to it they're just gonna gaslight the fuck out of you yeah they they just want they just want your views to be controversial enough that it makes the social movements toothless. You know, it's the it's the denounce Farrakhan strategy, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly what it is. Um, and and so yeah, Farrakhan really the worst fucking thing you could really you exactly you know denounce it. That's that's what they want you to do, right? They want you when you're talking about like Hamas rising up, they want you to go. Ah, I don't really condone violence. And and things like that, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the reason you've gotten an attitude because you've seen what like that that announcement stuff does. You know, it's it's uh, the reason is we'll we'll cut in uh, you guys reading Wretched of the Earth on violence, but <laughs> that's why that's I believe one. in violence. Yeah, no, that's a good one. That's a good one. Violence oh, is okay. how the colonized man makes himself human again. It it, it is especially when you realize that how how violence is socially categorized right like starving thousands of people to death not violence part of the system you know people dying from homelessness and drug addiction dying in prisons cop shooting people not violence i radicalized our our cameraman by pointing yeah. that out that every single day people uh -huh. are forced to die yes and because that's somehow we don't violent. want to give them one of the vacant homes that mm -hmm. we have a surplus of yes and, and somehow that's not in the category of violence, right? But you rise up, that's violence. And so in that case, yes, very pro-violence. In, in the case of like oh, they, walk into a neutral situation where everybody's fine and, and add harm, of course not. But that you don't need to specify that. That's not the violence we deal with. They no treat our economic moving train. success as violence. Yeah. That's the thing. Like yeah. if black people do well, if indigenous people do well, they'll come burn down that center. Yep. It's happened damage, many times and damage to that property that people depend on to, I don't, again, not die, which is how you connect to the violence. That is violence because it causes real harm. Whereas like you break a window at a store, not fucking violence, uh, but they think it is that, that that goes in the violence bucket, you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, in that case, of course, because then any, any slight against the powers that be is violence. Um, you know, well, that's exceptions. why Leonard Peltier is in fucking prison. The shootout started because they were building community gardens that the mm -hmm. government just lied and said were bunkers, mm -hmm. thus okaying the raid. Yeah, and that's all it takes. And that's not violence. That's that's just the government. It's it's somewhere between the government being right and and protecting everyone or whatever the fuck they they lie to you. It is uh to the government making a mistake. It's never violence. And and when there are exceptions to the violence, it's always something that you can blame as like rogue and some ephemeral, you know, school shootings. OK, that's violence. But like, that, you know, that's totally not the state. Um, that kind of shit. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that that's what they want. They want you to denounce. Oh, I don't I don't want like 200 people shot at a music festival. Never mind that that all happened because Israel's police came in guns blazing. Um you know, like they, they kick this whole thing off. They, they don't, they don't, you know, actually give a shit. Even about then, 
they they were uh, sorry. I keep fucking not on. I kept clicking it too many times. Yeah, even they're fucking having a dance festival next to apartheid. The dance festival, though, they used those people as meat shields. They shot from within the crowd, Ugh. thus drawing fire at innocent people. Yeah, that they supposedly care about. That they're supposed to protect. Like, yeah. I learned about the Hannibal Doctrine. The what? The Hannibal Doctrine. You're gonna have it's to tell a. Me. Israel has a policy or had a policy, supposedly it's over, but considering the fact that they turned away to um, yeah, supposedly, the, supposedly the CIA stopped toppling governments. Let's be real here. Okay. No, no, I mean, the Israel has a, you know, a agreement that they'll kill anybody that gets captured basically. Oh Jesus. Yeah. Like, so they just turned away. Supposedly they ended that policy, but they just turned away to hostages. And they're about, they just warned 20 hospitals to evacuate. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I told you before. I told you before. They, they said the one hostage was dead. And then the hostage's uh, mom said she was alive and, and, and in a hospital. And then they started bombing hospitals. Like they're basically just setting up to, to kill hostages. Oh, my God. I didn't even put two and two together. Yeah. They're bombing the hospitals because that's where hostages are. Mm-hmm. And and to cause the most pain. I mean, that's where everybody's seeking shelter. But yes, no, I know, but it's to of course. And then the hostages are dead, from, and then yeah, they don't them. want those hostages saying mm-hmm. that oh, there it's going to be a Stockholm syndrome, an explanation for why victims would trust their yeah, you know, abuser or whatever more than the authorities in charge who are not they don't have their best interest in mind. Mm-hmm. You know, it happens over and over and over again. This is just playing out on a wider scale. Yeah. And it's crazy because I can think of a lot of historical examples similar. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's incredible. People watch all this media with like this this mafia stuff that there's no tenable way to run a real power structure on that unless you just have an immense amount of finances surrounding you. And so it's kind of like fictional and exaggerated for mafia that makes a fun movie. Honestly, that shit's sometimes half the time how how Western capitalism works. You know, they're they're covering their tracks. It's cover up after the reason why we supported gangsterismo in Cuba. Mm -hmm. You know, Uh, that being said, uh, next (laughs) stop on Genocide Joe's agenda. Yeah, uh, is the GTN Express project, which he made in the Pacific Northwest. yeah, it's a $75 million project um, that is using already existing inf- infrastructure and expanding it. Um, I, I don't know what a decatherm is, frankly. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I don't it, know either. It powers up to 500,000 homes. Uh, so, like, yeah, it's pretty huge. You know, it's yeah, this is a pipeline. natural gas pipeline this time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a lot of this is going to Oregon, Canada, Washington, the, Idaho, which is like okay, well, that one makes sense. But like those three are supposed to be sort of you know your paragons of environmental policy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Canada is is just a giant extraction factor. The supposedly great left wing or liberal good good U.S. On top of all the times we've talked about them oppressing, you know, anyone from like uh, Wet'suwet'en people to 
Um, 85% of extractive industries are owned by Canada. That's where I was going with that. 85% of extractive industries. They you, are, you don't even need to name specifics. It's most yeah. of the world most. is being extracted by the Canadians. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Canada is the mining and lumber arm. The U.S. Yes. is the military and forts to protect it. Yep, that's that's exactly it. That's exactly it. And 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 the central uh, finance hub. And the reason why they chose these two continent, like this continent-sized countries, mm-hmm. is because it's very easy to just put a wall across Mexico, which they're already doing, to stronghold it. So they have a place with lots of untapped land to flee to, and then they can just abandon Afro Eurasia to fucking the hordes of poor people that are going to come after them. Mm -hmm. And, and this is all, of course, you know, this is all as socially global South and, and, and the West are drawing harder lines than they ever have. Um, But it's, it's not going to matter if the environment's just destroyed again, not violence though. Climate change is not violence. Well, what they're doing is they're trying to maintain control over areas that are still valuable and you can see them tactically retreating from places that aren't, you know, as climate change worsens, Afghanistan is not tenable to operate extraction industries in for white Americans who are going to burn alive. Because unlike, well, unlike the rest of even West Asia, um, it's, it's not an oil tap, right? It's opium poppies and and stuff like that. And that's not, that's not going to hold the same value through climate change. No, I mean, literally you won't be able to grow them by the end Mm -hmm. of fucking climate change. So it's Mm -hmm. like, but you can pull oil all fucking day. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, even then it gets too hot. Well, yeah, it's going to get too hot. No one's going to be able to live to extract. Yeah. Well, not Americans, you know, you literally need a neo-colonial regime in order to get that done. It's the same reason why, you know, they imported people with resistance to malaria. You know, it's the exact same logic at play. It's like, oh, who can withstand the heat better? It's the same reason why Filipinos are practically enslaved right now. I mean, like the number one export of Philippines economy is labor. (laughs) Yeah. That that's fucked. That's pretty fucked. That's um, slavery by a different name. Yeah, uh, pretty openly, and it's facilitated by their state. You know, Duarte. Actually, is Duarte still even in charge? No, uh, he was replaced by. Oh my god, I'm suddenly forgetting the name of the the um oh the right wing dictator family that got uh, upset by the Marcos. The yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, they're back in power. Oh my god! Because I mean, like, there's like lectures from Perenni, <laughs> you know, protesting this dude. Yeah. Well, this dude's dad, I presume. It's yeah, this it's it's, it's it's yeah. That's insane. Mm-hmm. We're just repeating his. Which dude. that that shit happens in colonial outposts, right? We saw. Um, I've totally forgotten who got elected president of South Korea after Moon, and she was the daughter of um, um, what's his face. That was really well, I guess you know, even in then, Italy, you have Mussolini. Yeah, you have Mussolini's <laughs> granddaughter. Uh, you have either way, lots of lots of shitty people end up back in power. Yeah, seems like. <sighs> yeah, they always cycle back. That's why I appreciate the North Koreans' three generation rule. <laughs> 
It's a good rule. Yeah. <laughs> That's like whatever an ML tells me they're against lamb back because it will result in white genocide or whatever. And like their conception is, you know, oh God, don't hold us accountable for what our grandparents did three generations ago. That's like, well, you know, literally North Korea, that was their policy on Japanese colonialism. Yeah. Because of how systemic that shit is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's worked out fine. Almost like, you know, we have to think similarly to successful projects. Oh yeah, yeah, and 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 again, North Korea was not genociding Japanese people either. Like this is no. this is an irrational fear in losing comfort, right? In dealing yeah. with change and not they being made equal. You it know, is, yeah, like, it is. It is very clearly, very clearly like white supremacy when you do that. And I mean, everybody kind of knows that by now. Like the I don't want to be punished for what my ancestor did is like is an open white supremacist talking point. But really, it's not just that an open white supremacist talking point. It's that it's not even it can't be genuine because all reparations are is is evening things economically getting things back to well, equality the issue is is that reparations happened after slavery they yeah, went the to direction. the slave owners yeah that's the issue you know it's not that oh you know we just want part of the money it's that people got money mm-hmm. for slavery ending and mm-hmm. it didn't go to the slaves nope they nope. never got well they were supposed to get land but turns out it's very easy to not give land to people you don't like if you have the political will mm-hmm. you know <laughs> well and and of course with you know power structures they are social mobility like this stuff these these there's technically not a a, a caste system but everything mummifies there's a the hierarchy system. there's a caste system yeah and, yeah, and the, the thing point is. of the reparations and land back, like, it's to get rid of all that fucking shit. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe point of land backs more than that. But, you know, I mean, you get what I'm saying? Like, it's not a strict caste system like India's. You're allowed to move. You're allowed to move. You, you could but be the exception are, that proves the rule. But that's, chances you know. are when you move, it's only down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the much more likely move. Yeah. Um, like, and, and when you move Appala- up, you got to do some terrible things to people. You got to exploit people just to go up by definition. Appalachia isn't becoming, you know, some fucking New York. It's mm-hmm. becoming a third world country, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, they're not going to throw you a bone. Join with the Indians. It's about yep. time. Yeah. So, um, so the Livorno Congress, the Livorno Congress, slide one ten. Yep, and page I guess one eighteen. Yep, and it would be my turn to read, right? Because I wasn't here last time. So yes, please. And I had to read like all of last episode. <laughs> so many COVID Italian voice. words. No, um, it's a COVID voice. You know? Oh no! All right, the old uh, Prez is sick. <laughs> Uh, the Livorno Congress is destined to become one of the most important historical events in contemporary Italian life. At Livorno, the question whether the Italian working class has the capacity to form an autonomous class party from its own ranks will finally be resolved. The question is whether the experiences of four years of imperialist war and two years of misery for the productive forces all over the world will succeed in making the Italian working class conscious of the historical mission will also be resolved. That sentence feels like a run on. Um but basically, you know, it's World War One going to bring about class consciousness. We can translate that, run on or not. Um, the working class is both a national and an international class. It must place itself at the head of the working people struggling to emancipate themselves from the yoke of the industrial and financial capitalism on both a national and international scale. I do like the emphasis of national and international. 
right? Because I think that confuses people some. You know, we we have the same working class interest, you know, we're in the same working class as say Palestinians, and that's an important point of solidarity. And if we don't think about our nationalism, you know, we're we're not gonna we're not gonna fix it. But we also can't sit here and expect like, you know, some tit for tat thing where like we fight for Palestinians and they fight back. Like we have to make our own revolution here. It is a, a national task as well. Wait, what do you mean? What? Well, he's talking about national, international scale. No, but you said we fight for Palestinian. Well, well, I mean, like we're we're gonna, yeah. So, like we're we're fight. We we want to support Palestinians. We're gonna go out and protest and do everything from the belly of the beast to get this empire to stop killing them, right, through its puppet state Israel. Right. Um, but also, like, if Palestinian liberation happens before ours, we're not like expecting Palestinians to come, you know, fight for us and stuff. We've still got our oh, own national like, struggle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not Trotskyists. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I think that's what I really liked about the national international is 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 it's it's not Trotskyism. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the the national task of the working class is determined by the process of development of Italian capitalism and its official expression, the bourgeois state. Italian capitalism came to power by following this line of development. It has subjected the countryside to the industrial cities in central and southern Italy to the north. The In the Italian bourgeois state, the question of relations between town and countryside is expressed not only as a question of relations between the great industrial cities and the countryside immediately surrounding them, but also a question of relations between one part of the national territory and another, quite distinct and characteristic part. Capitalism exercises predominance and its exploitative practices in the following manner, within the factory, directly over the working class, but within the state, over broader layers of the Italian working people, made up of poor peasants and semi-proletarians. What is indisputable is that only the working class, by seizing political and economic power from the hands of its bankers and capitalists, is in a position to resolve the central problem of national life in Italy, the southern problem. What is indisputable is that only the working class can bring the painful task of unification and the risorgimento began to a successful conclusion. What is risorgimento? Did you guys talk about that last time? Okay. Maybe that's Italian for revolution. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's the unification of Italy. Oh, okay. Well, there we go. Look at that. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> uh, the, bourgeois, uh, the bourgeoisie has unified the Italian people in terms of territory. The working class has the task of concluding this work of the bourgeoisie and unifying the Italian people in economic and spiritual terms. This can happen only by smashing the bourgeois state machine, which is constructed on a hierarchical dominance of industrial and financial capitalism over the nation's other productive forces. Such an event can happen only through revolutionary efforts in the working class directly subject to capitalism. It'll happen in Milan, Turin, Bologna, in in the uh, great industrial cities uh, that generate those millions of threads, which make up the network of industrial and finance capitalism dominance of the like rest of the country's uh, forces. He describes it as making those millions of threads. <laughs> that's a yeah. good reference. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's what it is strung through everything. Also, I'm assuming I pronounced that correctly. I know it's not baloney when you do. Well, that. I meant he's but, talking about the process. Um, yeah. 
the yeah. process of capital. Yeah, yeah the process of capital and, and threads over the the, the network of, of industrial dominance. Okay. No, no, like literally the production of oh. double on Oh. Oh yeah, it's literally a reference to capital. Oh, I didn't the production nice. of linen. Nice. It, that God is a, damn it! Those first ten chapters with the fire. threads and the coat. That is a fire <laughs> reference. The way he threw that in there. Yeah, I was so slick it went over my head, and I drilled on about the the linens and coats for how long at the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> well, that you know, I've been listening to a lot of old. First off, <laughs> I'm going to be honest. The capital not a lot of usable clips but no no not 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 our best work we were getting our feet under us start with imperialism yeah. <laughs> which we said a lot i think on the podcast oh, yeah, yeah it's in the podcast it's in the podcast uh in italy as a result of the particular configuration of the country it's even on like a one of the podcast pages on one of the podcast apps. Like uh, yeah, I think we either <laughs> said it on the, the... No, 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 like in the description. I think yeah. it literally says underneath the show, start with imperialism, capital kind of nice. sucks. Nice. <laughs> I, we know what we did. We know how it goes. Uh, in Italy, as a result of particular configuration of the country's economic and political structure, not only is it true that emancipating itself the working not by emancipating itself the working class will emancipate all the other express and employ, exploited classes but it is no less fact that the only way these other classes will ever emancipate themselves is to enter into a close alliance with the working class and to hold by this alliance through even the harshest sufferings and the cruelest trials revolution is not easy and it takes place everywhere it's going to take place in remember, urban areas Go ahead. this is yeah. talking about 20th century mm-hmm. Italy Yes. Not 21st century America. No. So we have to have a different approach a bit. Yes, the proletarian is a glue, but the issue is, is our proletarian actually leading anything right now as a revolutionary class? No, because it barely exists. There's not, no, yeah. It's, there's not a lot of factory workers, right? Yeah. So the, the proletarian has taken on new meaning here. The the vanguard um, will be decolonial, and so it'll be densely populated with colonized people. You know that that right? Yeah, yeah. I'm just making sure we nip that in the bud. Oh, sure. Before somebody quotes you guys towards a Pat Soch end, like oh yeah, like has happened. Oh God, I don't know how many times. So thank you for that. I I apologize. Yeah, Um, but I, I I was trying to to tie in because it's. It's talking about everywhere, right? Like the rural, it's it's going to take different characters, but it was, you know, in the factories, in the rural farms. And and there's still a character of that now. You know, this makes me think again, like like in uh, Wretched of the Earth and the difference between the, you know, the urban arrogance of of the, the socialists there that weren't connected to the countryside and the revolutionaries in the countryside. Mm-hmm. You know, this is something that's going to happen. It's going to happen on on the res. It's going to happen uh, in urban areas, it's going to happen. There's going to be fights in in the suburbs, and not everyone in the suburbs is uniformly fascist. Well, so they're going to have missed, be surrounded by people, but also that's going to be our biggest like. I think you missed enemies. an earlier reading, but yeah. I believe Gramsci said, you know, the urban people must be welded to the rural population. Mm, that's good. work together. That's good. You know, it can't be a separate movement. That's what I, yes, that's what I was going for. I like that. Okay. Gramsci's got it again. Shut up and let the book read. Wins all, as always. Shut up and read the book that's already been read. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up and let the book read, but backwards. Uh, uh, 
the break between communists and reformists will incur at Laver- will occur at Laverno. That will occur at Laverno will have the following special significance. The revolutionary working class will break with those degenerate socialist currents that have decayed into state parasitism. It will break with those currents that sought to exploit the position of superiority enjoyed by the North over the South in order to create proletarian aristocracies. Again, it doesn't translate perfectly to our time, but there's there's definitely some. some it parallel. does, actually. Yeah, the there's huge proletarian aristocracy. I mean, oh, this yeah. is really talking about a lot of like U.S. movies. Yeah. Yeah. Know. It's not. It's not a North and South, but it, it's a proletarian aristocracy versus those aren't. Yeah. Um, that erected a cooperative protectionist system alongside the bourgeois protectionist system of tariffs, the legal expression of predominance of industrial and, f- and financial capitalism over the productive forces of the nation. In the belief that they could emancipate the working class behind the backs of the majority of working people. You can't sneak a revolution in. You just can't. Uh, Please, Pat Sosha's, reread that. Yeah. Over and over. You cannot Trojan horse the revolution. Mm -mm. Nope. Uh, The reformists point to the socialism of Reggio Emilia as exemplary. They expect us to believe that the whole of Italy, the whole of the world, can become one great Reggio Emilia. I'm not sure about what Reggio Emilia is. Didn't we just? No, that was that was that was the yeah Reggio Emilia. It's a city. Oh, okay. What is something must have happened there? Based on a child with strong potentialities for oh fuck. Oh no, there was a commune there. Okay, there was a commune there at the beginning of the 11th century. Yeah, sorry. I, I, the thing I clicked on was like, "You have an ad block." <laughs> yeah, no. There's a there was a there's a 11th or 12th century commune there, so it's huh. Yeah, it was the the autonomous society from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Um, <laughs> I wonder. I wonder. Uh, the revolutionary working class asserts its repudiation of such spurious forms of socialism. The emancipation of the workers cannot be secured through taking over a few privileges through a worker's aristocracy or through a parliamentary compromise and ministerial blackmail. The workers emancipation can be secured only through an alliance between the industrial workers of the North and the poor peasants of the South, an alliance designed to smash the bourgeois state, found the workers and peasant state and constructed new apparatus of industrial production that will serve the needs of agriculture, serve to industrial the backwards agriculture of Italy, and hence raise the level of the national produce of, to the benefit of the working masses. The Italian workers' revolution and the participation of the Italian working people in world affairs can come about only in the context of the world revolution. Are there exist the seeds of, wor- of world workers' government in the executive committee of the Communist International that has emerged at the Second Congress? That is not here anymore. It doesn't so, exist. Doesn't exist anymore. Uh, at Laverno, the vanguard of the Italian working class, the communist fraction of the Socialist Party, will emphasize that disciplined loyalty to the first world government of the working class is necessary and unavoidable. Indeed, it will make the central point of the Congress discussion. 
The Italian working class accepts that uh, maximum of discipline because it wants the working classes of all other nations to similarly accept and observe a maximum of discipline. The Italian working class knows that the condition for its own self-emancipation and for its own ability to emancipate all other classes exploited and oppressed by capitalism in Italy is the existence of a system of world revolutionary forces all conspiring to the same end. The Italian working class is willing to help other working classes in their efforts towards liberation, but it would also like some guarantee that the other classes will help in its own efforts. This assurance can be given only by a powerfully centralized international authority, which enjoys the full and sincere confidence of all its members in a is, and is in a position to launch its forces with the same speed and precision that the world authority of capitalism achieves, and on its own account in the interest of the bourgeoisie. Thus, it should be obvious that, that the questions which are currently tormenting the Socialist Party and which will be resolved at the Laverno Congress are not simply internal party questions or personal conflicts between individuals. At Livorno, the destiny of the new working people of Italy will be under discussion. At Livorno, a new era in the history of the Italian nation will begin. That's um, exciting. Yeah. Just, like, mm. No, I, I could see where that would fire you up. That That's good, good writing. I think there well, is. I'm just thinking thing. a lot about the Ocete Shackawain's reemergence. And it's like, mm. it's a lot similar to this situation than a lot of the United States is. So it's like, yeah. To be like, ah, a direction to go. But like, we're already working on establishing like the First Nations International and stuff like that to begin communication between indigenous socialists and their nations, you know, and training them. So it's like, there's a lot down the pipeline on the Chukaluta end of things towards this end, but it's very nice to see repeatedly that we've independently discovered Gramsci's ideas. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I do think it's interesting too, in that section, because the beginning of that section read like something I, I mentioned with the national and international, like we're going to have to do our own national revolution, but also we're part of the interest of the international revolution and we need to fight for each other's well, solidarity. You're grouping me in with you. <laughs> I'm focused on my national revolution. Sure. When it comes to an international revolution. I look at the rest of the United States. Yeah. You know, because to me, the US and Canada aren't real nations, just like Israel. My international solidarity goes to the first nations and stuff instead. Mm -hmm. uh, which encompass the entirety of the landmass of the United States, along with the new African nation. So it's like, that's where my mind's going towards. We can have our national revolution and then help. Yeah. But we can focus there. Yeah. And that's, I want, I want people to be on that train of thought with Chunkaluta because it's like, we're building an actual fucking nation here. Yeah. As well, far I as most communist parties in the United States are going, they're not on this <laughs> well, and that's that's something like you know the the beginning the beginning of that read just like that, and that's I mean you saw like I drew that the uh, the kind of conclusion of national versus international. By the end of that, Gramsci was saying, oh, but with the the big international coalition, that's the only way we're going to get help in our our revolution. And it's almost like a like a flip from the way I read that, you know, it, it almost like switched. But a lot of that, too, was because the Second International existed and they could turn to the, the Soviet. Oh, yeah, Union. we got to build up these things. It's, yeah, we've 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 not only learned 
the mistakes and shortcomings of of that of the whole like you know what, what Mao would call the second world. Um, but even if it was a, a great system, perfect system, and it just failed for exterior things, it's not there right now. And so we have to mature that theory based on the hit the way history has progressed. Like there there are international efforts going <laughs> on, but it's just mm-hmm. you know we're. We're really picking up the pieces from the end of the Cold War, and like, yeah, it's not. It's going slow. <laughs> it's going yeah. slow, yeah. but things seem to be moving fast, at least on our end. So <laughs> that gives me hope. I'm hoping that other people are moving this fast. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, something we've talked about a lot, a lot through this, um, it, and because this this stuff is is sudden, and we have to have that theory is our guide right um otherwise it could it could be aimless and reckless um but but we've talked before about like there's a term revision and revision and we always think of it like a negative like a like a rewriting and a, and a contradictive revisionism that undercuts the previous theory but theory is always being revised especially revolutionary theories we get more information and so you know there's there's three ways that happens one it's adapting new circumstances two it's maturing and learning from the the mistakes what's good and bad and you're filtering out what's right and wrong and what's not applicable anymore um and then three you you basically kick the theory in the chin and that's the revision of when we think of right the bernstein type shit or the khrushchev or all that uh and and so i i think it's important that that we not only know this theory so we have it because this stuff is just going to hit off like lightning but that we mature it appropriately too and and i think that you know when we run into passages like this like lean on the second international it's like oh that's an opportunity to mature this theory you know how the third international would come about mm-hmm. like yeah <laughs> yeah this is data also there's not world war one going on right now although it, it feels like it with all the fucking military have world war three yeah shit oh my god Oh, um, but that was the end of section three. <laughs> um, do we, I don't think we'll get through section four, but we can start on it if we want to move on to it. How big is section four? Section four is small. It's short. Right? It's short. We might get through it. Let me try. This is going to be a chapter four of the flood situation. All right. <laughs> Go listen to season eight if you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Politically. The broad masses only exist insofar as they are organized within political parties. The changes of opinion which occur among the masses under pressure from the determinant economic forces are interpreted by these parties, which first split into tendencies and then into a multiplicity of new organic parties. When you sit there and say, indigenous people aren't a monolith because an indigenous organizer is trying to speak on behalf of their people to you, maybe shut the fuck up. Just shut up. Okay, we taught you that. Just shut up. Anyway, through this process, seriously, if you're white and you say that to an Indian person, just shut up. I'm not even kidding. Just stop talking. I don't care who you're talking to, if they're a lib, what their argument is. Just stop talking. As soon as you say that line, (laughs) self-crit. I have a big opinion about it because of how annoying it is. Through this process of Disarticulation, which is Brit. What? what is disarticulation? 
Um, How do you I, disarticulate? I would think that would be kind of like obfuscation, the word I misuse all the time. Oh. Um, but let's check. The division of ligaments of a joint to amputate. That's not the right word. That might be it, right? Like he, like he's talking about. Yeah, the opposite of articulation. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So new because, association. And yeah, because otherwise disarticulation. I think he is talking about. Okay. That. Fusion okay. is the next thing, and I'm thinking about bone fusions. Okay. 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 So infusion of homogenous entities, a more profound and intimate process of breakdown in of democratic society is revealed. This leads to a definitive alignment of conflicting classes for preservation or for conquest of power over the state and productive apparatus. In the period which lasted from the armistice to the occupation of the factories, the Socialist Party represented a majority of the Italian working people made up of three basic classes, the proletariat, the petty bourgeoisie, and the poor peasants. We, I wish our analysis was that easy. <laughs> of these three classes, only the proletariat was essentially and therefore permanently revolutionary. The other two classes were occasionally revolutionary. They were war socialists who accepted the idea of revolution in general because of the sentiments of anti-government rebellion, which germinated during the war. Oh, an addition to the aesthetic communists piece. Maybe he invented it and I just didn't even know. He called them war communists. Uh, that's interesting. I don't know. Yeah. This is very similarly along the line of aesthetic communism, though, and how I've been trying to synthesize a lot of these kind of critiques into one general classification. Anyway. Since the Socialist Party was predominantly made up of petty bourgeois and peasant elements, it could have made the revolution only in the first period after the armistice, when those sentiments of anti-government revolt were alive and active. Furthermore, since the Socialist Party was predominantly made up of petty bourgeois and peasant elements, whose mentality is not very different from the urban petty bourgeoisie, or petty bourgeois, uh, it could not fail to waver and hesitate without any clear or precise program without a line of march, and especially without an internationalist consciousness. The occupation of the factories, basically proletarian, found the Socialist Party, only partially proletarian and already under the first blows of fascism, undergoing a crisis of consciousness in its other constitutive parts, unprepared. The end of the occupation of the factories threw the socialists into total confusion. Its infantile and sentimental revolutionary beliefs were utterly confounded. The pains of war had been partly dead-ended. Deadened? Okay, I don't know. Deadened? A revolution is not made because of memories of the past. Bourgeois rule still appeared strong in the person of Giolitti. Giolitti? I don't know. Giolitti. And in the act activity of the fascists. The reformist leaders asserted that to think of communist revolution at all was insane. <clears throat> That's CBS. Uh, <clears throat> what? Uh, <laughs> Serrati asserted 
that it was insane to think of communist revolution in Italy in that period. Only a minority of the party made up of the most advanced and educated part of the industrial proletariat did not change its communist and internationalist viewpoint, was not demoralized by what was occurring daily, and did not allow itself to be taken in by the bourgeois state's apparent strength and energy. (laughs) Thus, the Communist Party was born. First autonomous and independent organization of the indigenous of the industrial proletariat, the only class of the people that is essentially and permanently revolutionary. The Communist Party did not at once become a party of the broadest masses. This proves only one thing. The conditions of the great demoralization and dejection into which the masses had been plunged after the political failure of the occupation of the factories. In a great many leaders, faith was extinguished. What had previously been vaunted was now derided. The most intimate and sensitive feelings of the proletarian consciousness were vilely trampled on by these junior officers of the leadership, who had become skeptical, corrupted by repentance and remorse for their past of maximalist demagogy. Demagogy? I don't know. A demagogue, so we'll go with that. Demagogy, that works. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't speak English good. Being a demagogue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Big, big demagogue. Oh my God, demagogue. What the fuck is that? My name is Dim Dom Demagogue. Demagogue. That, that is like, if you're like the Greek god of being a demagogue, you're like like Trump, that's a demagogue. Oh, have you never seen Fairly Odd Parents? Is that, are you too old? Uh, I'm familiar with it. The the, okay. the Dimdales, Dimadims, whatever. Yeah, Dimdim, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I like the green one. He's funny, <laughs> but <laughs> had some nephews that watched it. They haven't watched okay. it a lot though. See, I was like, man, are your kids like just under that age? I don't even know. Yeah, I think they're just under. But I, I had some nephews that watched it. I'm yeah, okay, it. just just not intimately. Okay, so the peasants now without support. Hold on. Okay, no, I skipped like a paragraph. Holy shit. (laughs) The popular masses who immediately after the armistice had aligned themselves around the socialist party became dismembered, fluid, dispersed. The petty bourgeois who had sympathized with socialism now sympathized with fascism. The peasants, now without support in the socialist party, tended to give their sympathies to the popular party. Bad social... This confusion of the former forces of the Socialist Party, with the fascists on the one hand and the popolari on the other, was not without its consequences. The Popular Party drew closer to the Socialist Party. In the parliamentary election, popular open slates in every constituency were filled with hundreds and thousands of names of socialist candidates. The municipal Elections, which have taken place in some country districts since the general election, the socialists have often not put forward a minority slate, but advised their supporters to vote for the popular one. In Bergamo, Bergamo, (laughs) this phenomenon took a sensational form. The Popolari left-wingers split away from the Catholic organization and fused with the socialists, founding the Chamber of Labor. (laughs) Sounds like a... Like a shitty Marxist Harry Potter book. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Chamber of Labor. <laughs> and then like the paintings and ghosts are like Karl Marx and shit. Anyway, fucking. And a weekly newspaper respectfully led and written by socialists and popolari together. 
this is this is I'm gonna have to read these guys. Yeah. Now it's been I you know I missed the last episode. So the popular party is the the Christian Democrat one, right? Fascist. Christian. Oh, the yeah. fascist Christian Democrat. Nice, awesome. Yeah. I mean, they're Christian Democrats, but they're they're fascist. The the MAGA ones that the, yeah yeah uh, they're okay fascist. okay. They're, they're literally it's like proto MAGA. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, proto proto MAGA. The the the, the um, Italian evangelicals. Well, like proto MAGA <laughs> communism, I should say. Like, yeah. Like yeah. quite literally sounds exactly like. Yeah, this is even before Strassism. This is the true proto communism. <laughs> wow, that's so true. <laughs> well, and then I would argue that Teddy Roosevelt's co-option of socialist language and his mm, yeah running would be. And earlier, because I mean, these are all friends. All these people are friends. Yeah. Like Hertz, number one propagandist for Teddy Roosevelt. You know who else he is in number one propaganda for? Mussolini and Hitler. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. And Hearst Media still owns like Discovery Channel and shit today. So, no. Do they own History Channel? I think so. Oh, I could I'd be that, curious. I'm pretty sure. I, uh, uh, I think I just finally made the ancient aliens connection full. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Objectively, this process of popular socialist rep- rapprochement. I don't know. Represents an advance. This peasant class is becoming. Approachment. R- rap I think I think that's still reproachment. Is it really? Yeah, like being reproached. I don't know. It's a, it's a guess, but it's how it reads to me, and I know that word. Especially in international relations, the establishment or resumption of harmonious relations. So, the peasant class is becoming united. Acquiring consciousness in the idea of overall solidarity, breaking the religious car- carapace in the popular camp. And oh, this is literally where the entire idea of MAGA communism comes from, I bet. Like, I bet you he read this part and then that was that was it. Just stopped there. Because I bet you we'll get on with more of this and I'll be like, but let me explain why that kind of fucked us. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I'm guessing it goes, you know, but let's see. Let me shut up and let the book read. (laughs) The peasant class has become united, acquiring consciousness, blah, blah, blah. Where were we breaking the religious carapace of the popular camp and breaking the carapace of petty bourgeois anti-clerical culture in the socialist camp. Um, Sure. Okay. Uh, As a result of this tendency among its rural members, the socialist party is becoming further and further detached from the industrial proletariat. Oh, interesting. Making it seem that strong unitary bond, the strong unitary bond which the Socialist Party appeared to have created between city and countryside is being broken. However, since this bond did not really exist, no real damage has derived from the new situation. On the contrary, a real advantage is becoming clear. The popular party is undergoing an extremely powerful swing to the left and becoming increasingly secular. The final result will be that its right wing 
made up of big and medium landowners will split off. In other words, it will decisively enter the field of the class struggle with a consequent tremendous weakening of bourgeois rule. Interesting. The same phenomenon is beginning to appear in the fascist camp. The urban petty bourgeoisie politically strengthened by all the defectors yeah, all the defectors from the Socialist Party had sought after the armistice to put advantage the skill in military organization action which it had acquired during the war. The Italian war was led, in the absence of an effective general staff, by the junior officers, i.e. by the petty bourgeoisie. The disappointments suffered during the war aroused extremely powerful sentiments of anti-governmental rebellion in the class, which, having lost the military unity of its cadres after the armistice, began, became fragmented among the various mass parties and effused them with the fer ferment, I was going to say ferment, I'm going to go flat earth on everybody. <laughs> Don't forget the whole people. <laughs> yeah. How can there be mole people on a disc? There's nowhere for them to live. They're down in the mole layer. They know how to not fall out the bottom. <laughs> Just stop. <laughs> okay. Touche. <laughs> Where were we? Disappointment, suffering, ferment. Okay. With the ferment of rebellion, but also with uncertainty, wavering and demagogy when the strength of the socialist party declined i've said that like three ways now <laughs> yeah demagogy you said know, that word three different ways now. the strength of the socialist party declined after the occupation of the factories this class <laughs> i just invented a lisp for myself by combining two words <sighs> This class, with lightning speed, under pressure from the same general staff which had exploited it during the war, reconstructed its cadres militarily and organized itself on a national scale. Extremely swift revolutions, extremely swift appearance of a constitutional crisis. Man, they just like they just got their constitution. <laughs> yeah. The urban petty bourgeoisie, a toy in the hands of the general staff and the most retrograde forces in the government, allied itself with the landowners and broke the peasant organizations on their behalf. The Rome Pact between fascist and socialist marked the halting point of this blind and politically disastrous policy of the urban petty bourgeoisie, which came to understand that it, has, it was selling its birthright for a mess of pottage. What's okay? <clears throat> Just like slop, I'm guessing. If fascism had gone on with punitive expeditions of the Treviso, Sarzana, and Roca Strada type, the population would have risen en masse. You're getting really good at pronouncing Italian, and pottage is just another word for porridge. Okay. Moreover, even in the event of popular defeat, it is certainly not the petty bourgeoisie who ha would have captured power, but rather the general staff and the big landowners. The fascists are once again drawing closer to the socialists. The petty bourgeoisie is seeking to break its links with large-scale landed property and to have a political program which ends up 
by strangely resembling that of Tarati and the Aragona. Fuck these people. (laughs) This is the present situation of the Italian popular masses. Great confusion replacing the artificial unity created by the war and personified by the Socialist Party. A great confusion which has found its points of dialectical polarization in the Communist Party, independent organization of the industrial proletariat. In the Popular Party, organization of the peasantry, and in fascism, organization of the petty bourgeoisie. The Socialist Party, which from the armistice to the occupation of the factories represented the demagogic confusion of these three classes of the working people is today the major exponent and the most notable victim of the process of disarticulation towards a new definitive order you motherfucker you could have put that parentheses earlier which the popular masses of Italy are undergoing as a consequence of the breakdown of democracy I'm gonna fight him. <laughs> no, <laughs> we're giving us the definition. Round one. Round one. Uh, but uh, so that was that was a good section, and basically, it's it's uh, it's describing them falling to the fascists, just allowing the fascists to take the reins and run with it because. Yeah. You were just letting some, you know, you had suburbanite leaders. You, you didn't have failing. any, yeah. You didn't have any working class people. You had peasants there, but the party was driven by the petty bourgeois or the labor aristocracy, you know, and, um, some combination of them. He kept going back to the petty bourgeois, though, which is probably who it is—the small business owners. And and so as long as we let them take the reins, where are they going to go? They're going to go fascism, right? That's that is the the ultimate ideology of the petty bourgeois: keep the systems in place. But stop letting them be a free-for-all that's changing with social movements, strictly and violently enforce it so that these people dangling onto the bottom, trying to stay of, of the top dominant class, trying to stay up in that class, can stay there. Fuck who dies in the working class. Like, that's what fascism is. You yeah, know? the working class is fodder towards their ends. Yeah, yeah, it's it's we we have a, a realistic a mummified caste system. It's it's enforce it and and call it good for the country, good for the nation, good for everyone there. Get people behind you, you know. It must be the current ruling class screwing stuff up. Sure, the system is bad. Of course, it's bad. The problem is all of these uppity low class people. We need our our strict. Well, see, they're hierarchy not saying it's the ruling class set. They're saying it's the bureaucrats. Yeah, the bureaucrats, the people, the people that are are just doing it wrong and getting in the way and mucking stuff up and just bad actors. Yeah. And they're and they're just letting they're letting the they they screw up by letting the working class have too much. They they screw up by by giving Iran money from this oh so left wing supposedly president instead of like murdering Palestinians before Israel can even get there. Right. Like that's. That's the kind of shit that that fascism speaks to, you know. I think it's crazy that that conspiracy theory even exists. Like, it, but it's mainstream Republican talking point right now because that's that's yeah. how they all are now. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not like th- that's a new talking point. No, <laughs> no, no. That is that really underscores the, the Shah. <laughs> yeah, that that really underscores this this idea that that the alt right is somehow very different from neoconservatives even though it's not only 
taking place in the Republican Party, the party that house the neoconservatives, but has like every neoconservative policy. Like, yeah, the alt-right is just is just neoconservatives being a little more explicitly racist. Well, like a lot of times they call themselves paleoconservative. God, yeah. And it's like, okay, but let's be honest. Like, <laughs> you're just fascists. Yeah, yeah. By the way, I did want to specify too. Uh, A and E Networks is the owner of Discovery and History and and all that shit. And, and, and they are owned by they're owned by Hearst. Um, apparently, in the I don't know what happened before the eighties, but in the eighties, like Hearst was the main stockholders, and there was also ABC and NBC, and it was all a joint venture to launch it. And somehow NBC backed out. ABC since been required uh, been acquired by Disney, and so now it's a Hearst and Disney joint venture. So Those are and long, not boding well for the Nazi allegations. Nope. And long, long before it was called the Hitler Channel because it had way, or I'm sorry, long before it had the Ancient Aliens, it was called the Hitler Channel because it, and, and I do vaguely remember that. Ancient Aliens is part of that shit. Just oh, so no, no. But what I mean, like, it the name Hitler Channel. Like, it got, yeah, but that name wasn't because of doing Nazi propaganda. It was because everything was about world war ii and well, that's the thing is like in the height of the aliens is about oh world yeah war yeah was, the the world the the people with the the interest in world war ii history only like you you can there are world war ii historians but most people that say that they're just nazis <laughs> like not everyone there are world yeah, war they're not here communists there are yeah there are amateur historians there are communists that do that but most people that identify like with i'm i'm a world war ii amateur historian tend to be nazis um just overwhelmingly and and history channel has a lot to do with it he was obsessed with world war ii and you would not not guess the bend on that you know the the heroes of the winter war type shit they would always do right because again it was the 80s it was a peak of anti-communism well even then like they have a uh, prometheus entertainment i didn't see who owns that but uh, Prometheus Entertainment started, like, they're the ones who do Ancient Aliens, but they launched uh, Curse of Oak Island, They, which is, I mean, they, they go to the Templars. <laughs> That's how fucking, you know, like, <laughs> they've talked about Germans hiding shit on the island, too. Like, it's weird. Uh, and then they also did a Hunting Hitler series. I want to do all of these on YouTube and Twitch. <laughs> I love watching these shows, but they straight up find a temple in the jungle with swastikas, and they try to like play it off as, oh, it was the indigenous people carved those in Argentina. Oh god, <laughs> it's like god. I think the Nazis took it over. I'm gonna be yeah. honest. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I've got a theory that's a little more stable. Um, and, and I looked up Prometheus Entertainment. I, I don't know much about them, but they were founded by a guy named Kevin Burns, which took me a double take to realize it wasn't Ken Burns. So, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if he's related. I, I have no idea. But, uh, yeah, so, like, all of these shows, though, they all have some weird Nazi twists on them. And then this latest show, because, you know, Hunting Hitler ended you can only hunt Hitler for so long, right? Uh, when you don't find him, right? Right. <laughs> um, you know, because they're exploring the idea that Hitler survived um, and went to Argentina or whatever. And uh, the ultimate Nazi fantasy, the de de Fuhrer is still alive everywhere. Well, like in ancient aliens, they're like, he took a, he, he went to Spain. They oh U-boated down to Antarctica. And they're, yeah. 
Just could, chilling in Antarctica. <laughs> well, so five years or something, two years, yeah. somewhere in that range before um, World War II, mm-hmm. um, like pops off. Uh, they sent like a U boat expedition down there. You know, yeah. <laughs> and then after the war ends, Britain sends a fleet down there basically to make sure there's no Nazis. And then, like, from there, it gets very iffy on information, whether or not a fight actually happened. And if that fight happened, whether or not it was between UFOs and the Navy, and whether or not (laughs) it's the Nazis flying those UFOs that they found by getting into the hollow Earth. This is not helping the mainstream alien invasion movies are consistently Nazi propaganda argument either. No, nope. <laughs> not, not, not hurting that one. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But that guy, the host of that show, the hunting yeah. Hitler, um, he has a new show called Skinwalker Ranch. And that's fucking awesome to watch. Cause I'm indigenous nice. and it's just like, Yeah. <laughs> They got the best frauds on here. They got the best hucksters. <laughs> and then they utilize the best clips from legit medicine men. They yeah. just like, damn, their editing is on point. <laughs> you know, you got to appreciate the propaganda game. You yeah. got to appreciate yeah. it. But the, the guy who's like running it is some military contractor. Like that's the guy who bought the ranch. Oh, yeah. yeah, so, yeah of course. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what? <laughs> But like my theory is that it's just you people fucking with them because like literally like over the ledge is the reservation. Oh wow. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway. Anyway. Thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed. If you want to get in contact with us and complain about our conversations on ancient aliens or Want to insist that I do more Twitch streaming for Ancient Aliens? Wink. I'm winking. This you, yeah, not- you can't see the wink, but the, that silence was winking. <laughs> I forgot this is an audio format. Um, <laughs> but uh, you could reach out to us at Mark's Madness Pod on X or Mark's Madness Pod at gmail.com or you can find all the unnecessary links for the Chunkaluta network at our link tree link link tr.ee is that how that works <laughs> slash Chunkaluta network it'll be in the show notes i was gonna say it'll be in the show <laughs> <laughs> um stupid but yes I, it's link tr.ee yeah don't slash Chunkaluta. just do linktree.com please yeah i know it'll <laughs> Three of ones are a thing. This is not the dawn of the internet. It's okay. For real. So anyway, um, we have a Patreon on there that you can go and support to get more of that ancient aliens content. Because if I can do this actually full time and it support my family instead of me taking the bare minimum to survive, well, I could put a lot more effort into media. But for now, I'm fucking working odd jobs and babysitting not babysitting child rearing i mean it's it's unpaid labor it sucks yeah and it's it's oh my god it's tough it it gets worse it just gets worse (laughs) they just start opening shit and you're just yeah 
constantly putting it away. Yeah. Or your house gets dirty. So it's like I'm cleaning all day basically. It's and I give up. I mean at this point. Ugh. It there there is there is and it gets better when they're old enough to help you with the cleaning, but there's sure. a little bit of a learning curve there still too. Yeah, still got like uh 5 years for that. So Yep. <laughs> they're still, they'll fly by fashion you think as far as like the kid, but in life, that shit drags. Hey, I'm like organizing. So <laughs> um also, you know, um we launched the TikTok and the videos are really great. And you can see Mark's Madness content on the Chunkalutifin. Um, so I highly recommend that and sharing it with your friends. So that way more people hear. Mark's Madness in a more accessible way until we launch the YouTube. Uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks. Yep. So uh, this has been Mark's Madness part, pod, part of Chunkalutin Network. We read books. Uh, my name's David. I'm Shimani too. I mostly just complain. <laughs> we will talk to you next week. Bye. Dog chuckle.